Welcome to the Soberistas podcast uh, number three. We've got the final um, podcast with the lovely three members that have that have been our guests in the first two. That's Running Girl, Sunflower Field, and Just Us. And today we're we're going to be talking about regrets, which I know is a really um, big topic and an important one to deal with when you stop drinking and have to kind of process and and come to terms with everything that's come before. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Hello to our guests. Hi, Sunflower Field. Hi, Just Us. Hi, Running Girl. How are you all? Good, thank uh, you. Good. <laughs> Good. So um, we are going to just jump in. I'm going to start the. Just ask anybody who wants to go first. Do you? Did you? Do you have um, regrets after you stopped drinking? Did you have regrets about your drinking life? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm happy to go first. I um, I did. The main regret I had was that I was living life on just on such subpar to what I started to realize was how I should have been living it all the time. So I, I was constantly in a cycle of just exhaustion. And I regretted the fact that I had to keep trying to do the best I could all the time to show everybody that everything was okay and put on this front. So that, that was the main thing that there, there were lo lots of small regrets and, and big regrets mixed in with, um, you know, every now and then there'd be the odd flashback of, you know, cringe and shame. But on the whole, it was that I was playing so small. I was just reducing myself to the shell of who I now know I can be um, and minimising my potential, not, not, not playing big at all. And how, do you mind me asking how old you were when you stopped drinking? When I stopped drinking for this you know, th this is the longest, this is three, over three years now. So I was 47. Okay. So, um, but you know, prior to that, as I've said before, I had a few sallies into sobriety and out again and, you know, the odd month here and there. But um, this this proper long-term, this, this was it. And I knew that this was going to be it. And I had made this commitment to myself. And I just thought, oh, and, and I knew as well that, when I didn't drink, I performed so much better as a human being um, from those little, you know, um, dances with sobriety in the process and in that long process to to get onto, on, onto that road. Um, so, so that was my main thing. It was like, oh, for God's sake, you know, why did I make it so bloody hard for myself? Why did, and sometimes I get flashbacks, you know, if I'm driving to work and I think, why am I feeling so happy? And I realize, oh yeah, I used to do this so often feeling like shit, especially on a Monday. Monday's the time when I have that epiphany regularly. And it's great because I think, wow. But I think, my God, how many Mondays, how many Mondays have I driven to work or dragged myself to work or dropped the kids off and felt dreadful? Um, so yeah, that's that's one of my biggest regrets. I think those those epiphanies keep coming for a while, and I've I found and and about the smallest of things, and still waking up without a hangover is still something that is just never it never, never. tires, does it? It's such a lovely never thing. gets old. I love it. I love it, and it's one thing I I, I acknowledge it every single day. Mm. Every single day, you know, it's it's wonderful. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Just us, did, did, what about you on the subject? Of sure. Um, 
you know, I had, I had regrets about the cringeworthy moments, but I didn't really dwell on those too much. I think the bigger regrets for me were, um, that I had just come out of a bad relationship. It had been abusive. Um, and I had been in that for three years. And I think that I felt like I could have ended it a lot sooner and gotten away from him a lot sooner had I been sober and had all my faculties um, about me to deal with it. But then also, you know, I'd had some career missteps in the last, I quit at 43. So my heavy drinking was in my thirties when you're really building your career. And um, I think that I would have handled things different had I been sober and probably been in a much different place. Um, and I would, I had always wanted to be married and have children and I wasn't. And, and so I had to come to terms with heading into menopause and not being in the place in my life where I thought that I would be. And a lot of that was tied up with drinking to cope with things rather than becoming an adult and doing things about it, facing things head on. Um, so that was a big period of grief for me too. You know, when I first quit drinking, it was like, I had to grieve all of those things. And, and, and I did. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't dwell in regret anymore, but I think in those first few months, you really do have to face regret and, and find a way to cope with it. That's healthy. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of acceptance work to be done, isn't there? I think. In the there is. Of years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Sunflower Field? Yeah. I mean, absolutely had regrets. I mean, I think, in terms of regrets, they are very natural. I think most of us in this situation have probably had them. Um, most of us probably aren't sitting around thinking, yeah, that was great that I had a problem with alcohol. So I think having regrets and letting them kind of come and work through them and go is part of the process and that we kind of have to trust in that. And if you are feeling that sense of regret, knowing that you're not necessarily going to kind of stay in that place forever. Um, it's really interesting listening to you both running girl and just us, because I think I echo a lot of what you said um and particularly um obviously just as we've like we've known each other on site for quite a while but probably never had that conversation but my regrets would definitely reflect a lot of what you've just said and I'm probably partially still in that grieving process so it's great to see kind of how you've worked through that um I mean in terms of my regrets they also fit into kind of some of those smaller immediate regrets and then the bigger picture ones. So particularly in my first year, it was very much the smaller kind of thinking of like just really individual days that I'd ruined or particular like friends' weddings that I, you know, I thought I'd ruined or particular holidays that I didn't enjoy properly because I was sitting around being too hungover, days I put myself at risk, like a lot of kind of individual things associated with individual times that I drank. And I could just be like not really thinking about them, doing the washing up in my kitchen and suddenly just be hit with a wave of emotion because I remember a particular circumstance or I'd just be tired one day and it would like trigger a memory of a hangover and I kind of think that's because when you're actually drinking you don't 
acknowledge how horrible all of it, those things are because your brain's not really letting you think about it because the wine witch or whatever you want to call it wants you to keep on drinking so you're not acknowledging kind of how how bad and how horrible it feels so I think that's why obviously when you get sober they start hitting you but they do kind of come and go I think um but it was kind of probably more the year like that was my first year it's probably more like in my second year that it was that bigger picture stuff um that started to hit me so similarly um I split up with my partner we'd been together for 13 years kind of wish I never went out with him definitely wish I'd like broken up with him sooner um I mean I think there was there's a wider context to why I was in those situations but very similar um maybe you know would have progressed my career differently um wasn't even just that relationship there's a kind of a pattern pattern to my previous relationships very similar to just us so I got sober when I was 37 I've now just hit 40 I'm still working through all of those things so not I think I said last time like quite in the place to start a relationship yet so just again coming to terms with actually the facts that I'm not married I haven't got kids like maybe my life's you know who knows what's going to happen but I am at that age when that's quite pertinent and maybe things aren't going to you know turn out maybe as I would have liked um so yeah it's just yeah kind of like say kind of that grieving process working through those things um I think all I'd say is I'm not the way I'm feeling at the moment, I'm not sure that probably regrets quite the way I feel about that. So I feel sad about it. But I think for me, regret maybe implies that I could have made different decisions or I could have done things differently. Um, having worked through it in therapy, um, which I've been in for like the last year now, I'm not actually sure that I could have. I think there are factors as to why I became an alcoholic. There was a wider context to do with kind of upbringing that kind of led me into kind of relationships that I ended up in and all of those things. And I'm not sure that they were, they were kind of active choices. I think I was kind of, my, my, my background and a range of factors led me in a certain direction. And I don't think that, I regret decisions that have been made because I'm not sure how much kind of power and control I had at the time. So in a way it kind of takes that blame out of it. And I don't look back and think, oh, I could have done this differently or I could have done that differently because I'm not sure that I could have. So I think, yeah, try and frame it more now that I think that's actually the amazing things actually that I did get sober and I did kind of get out of those relationships and that's the positive. And yeah, I wish I hadn't spent 20 years drinking, but actually I, you know, I could have just carried on drinking and it would have been a lot worse. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That's, that is the healthiest if you can, and it does take work, but when you can reach a place and look at it in that way, that definitely is the healthiest way of looking at it. I think, I think just as, did you want to come in there and, and say something? Well, I just wanted to say, I wish I could give you a hug because I understand all those feelings you're going through. And it's really hard to um, be at that age as a woman where you're coming to terms with sort of the end of your fertile years and you don't have children and you thought you would have children. It's really hard. And I had this thought about Mick Jagger saying, you can't always get what you want, but you tried, you get what you need and don't give up on that because I, you know, I met Paul and he had 
children who are adults um, and they're getting married and they're going to have children. So I'll get my chance with grandchildren. (laughs) So, you know, things come along. God has a way of bringing good things into your life, even when it's not what you planned. Running girl, did you? Yes. Also on the back of that, what what I thought was was brilliant was the agency. You know, you have agency now, your choice. Um, and, And the fact that you're looking back. One thing my counselor said to me that really resonates and, and I share with the with people all the time was you did the best you could um, with the resources you had at that time. And that is something that I, I find really reassuring. You know, when, when I would talk about certain regrets or, you know, moments that, I, you know, I wasn't at my best, I was doing the best I could. And, and that's that's introducing forgiveness and self-compassion. And, and you have that in spades anyway from what you were saying there. Um, but it's it's just something to bear in mind if you if anyone is struggling with regret of any size, you know, big or small. I think that's really nice and um, kind advice. Thank you. And sending a virtual hug back as well. <laughs> oh. Just us, did you want to come in again there? Yeah, I was going to say... Um, In the early days, I started studying um, this thing called the Course in Miracles. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but um, one of the things that I took from it that was very helpful to me was how important forgiveness is, especially forgiving yourself. And um, I made it like a daily practice. As soon as a regret would pop into my head, I would say, I forgive myself for that and just let the thought go. Just you have to forgive yourself for mistakes you make in life. And you can't just carry those burdens with you every day, because if you do, you're never going to move forward. So, you know, it's a great exercise in compassion, both for yourself and for other people to just say, you know, I forgive that person for how they hurt me, or I forgive myself for not being where I thought I would be right now. Um, And then just move on from it and try and just stay in the moment and that's how I live my life now. Um, I really never think about things that, you know, I wish I had done this or could have done that, but I was drinking. That's all behind me. You know, I don't, um, I don't dwell in that place anymore. And you don't have to. No, you absolutely don't. And, and I think, you know, what Sunflower Field that and Running Girl, what you were talking about there is, you know, sort of you did the best with the resources that you had at the time. Um, it stops you torturing yourself with thoughts that you could have done it differently because you absolutely couldn't. You know, the, the intention is an important part of it. You, none of us intended to do those things. You did the best with what you had at the time. And I think when you get to a place where you can see things in that way, it's you are really moving into a place of self-compassion, which is really, really crucial. So, I mean, before we go on to the last part of this podcast which is about sort of the best advice and and tips that you can offer to the listeners about how they can deal with regrets have you got any anything you want to talk about with specific coping strategies what did you do to get through those feelings in the early days and is there anything you can share on that running girl um i was really fortunate that prior to really embarking on my sober journey, I had already discovered the artist's way. And part of the artist's way, which is 
it's for recovering creatives. That's how how it's it's sold. It's written by Julia Cameron. I, I may have mentioned it in in another podcast, but I I'm I'm always talking about it, and it it really helped me. Um, it, it has some tools in it where I I wrote three sides of A4 every day, journaling. That really helped me. That really really helped me, and still does to process any of the inner turmoil that might be churning up. Um, also blogging, I I started to blog and write and post on Soberistas. And I think the process of just sharing the stories really, really helps. So people, you know, people then see you and um, acknowledge that they too are going through it. And to realize that you're not alone, that's just crucial, I think, for, for the connection, but, but for yourself. So that, those those were two of the things. But the other thing that worked for me was mindfulness and that's in the early days i started a course a foundation course in mindfulness i was dabbling in it for years but i actually did the course which was um finding peace in a in a frantic world and i rec i recommended that just today i shared it with a friend on one of my whatsapp groups who's having a challenging time and in that it's a process you work through uh, I think it's an eight week course. Every week focuses on something different. So the, the beginning will be your body scan and learning to, you know, uh, your breathing anchor. But there is a section, I think it's week five, where you deal with difficulties. And I found that extremely hard. We had to sit and, and practice this daily. But it was so beneficial because uh, in mindfulness, it is like building a muscle. And as John Kabat-Zinn would say, you know, we, if you're falling out of a plane, you don't start to, to weave the parachute as you're falling out. What it does is it enables you to create that parachute, that, that buffer, so that when you do deal with the, the regrets that come as they do, or things, things that don't go well, the difficulty that you might be dealing with on a daily basis or a weekly basis or whenever it, it comes up, um, you've got that tool there, that parachute to protect you. So the mindfulness, the journaling, and, and also the gratitudes. Gratitudes, um, and we might develop that in, in more detail, but that to me is a, is a tool that I will always use. Um, and it, it, again, it, it enables you to be aware of the present, the good that's in your life, to, and to actually savour. Gratitude enables you to savour. And there's so much study done on the the importance of savoring in life now and savoring takes you completely out of that negative cycle of despair where you go when you are in that cesspit of regret savoring lifts you and enables you to, to I suppose to access your ideal self yeah to absolutely. a large extent sunflower field did you have any thoughts there on, on the things that got you through the first sort of year or two in terms of regrets and Yeah, so I mean, some of the, the things that helped um, were quite similar to what Running Girl was saying. So, um, definitely gratitude. And I would, I was a bit off and on with it, but I would write a gratitude log. So, maybe in the evening, just like sit down and write a list of the things that I was grateful for. Um, and that would take my mind away from that negativity. And I think it does actually kind of help to reset your brain to look for those positive things as well um, definitely connection and blogging and kind of alongside um, the things running girls said on that I think just whether it's blogging or through kind of talking to other people I knew they would help me to maybe get more of a sense of perspective on the things that were kind of bothering me about the past as well um, 
I think especially in the first year, just focusing on celebrating sobriety, particularly like celebrating milestones, building up that pride in myself. And that pride would definitely help to kind of counteract any kind of shame um, or regrets from the past. Um, I think make doing my own kind of version of making amends. So where I regretted kind of, I think so the last time kind of things I said to friends or maybe how I treated some friends, actually having that conversation and working it through with them actually helped me to take away that regret because it just made me realize they weren't, they, they just cared about me. They hadn't been kind of upset by anything I'd done or anything like that. So that kind of did completely lift some of those regrets, I'd say. Um, yeah, I think just, as I said, just acknowledging that there will be regrets, but you can let them come and let them go. And I was, you know, it's not that long since I was in a place where I was still kind of crying over some of my regrets in the situation that I'm in now. Um, and I think that's been particularly hard during lockdown, but I've managed to get myself to a place where I've worked some, through some of that and it is better. So it's definitely possible. Good for you. Thank you. And just as... How did you get through the first few months? Well, Running Girl reminded me how important blogging was for me too. Writing about my regrets in the beginning was really important because so many soberistas said, hey, I've been there too. I did worse. And to hear that is it, it allows you to let it go. It's like, oh, really? Okay. I'm not the only one in the world who's acted like a complete asshole for the last five years, you know? So um, after blogging it out um, for a long time, I think mindfulness, um, learning to be compassionate, treating myself, you know, learning that it was okay to treat myself um, and to forgive myself and, and learn to love myself. Like, really, like you don't love yourself when you're giving yourself a hangover every day. No. You know, you have to you have to learn how to do that when you're sober. Um, so there are lots of ways to do it. But for me, it was like the course in miracles and meditation and yoga, um, because all of those things really emphasize the importance of being in the present moment and getting out of your head. And out of those, um, well, what if I lived my life this way instead? No, you lived your life the way you did. And all of that's okay because it's gotten to you to this moment now where you are. So we all have a winding path and we're all here to learn our lessons. And, you know, that's what those things that you regret have done. They've taught you lessons in life and it's okay. Yeah, and I think there's a definitely sort of I felt very grateful for uh, not straight away after a while I felt very grateful for all the stupid asshole things I'd done because <laughs> what that did was make me have this huge appreciation and gratitude for the most simple things that if I hadn't have lived my life as I did for 22 years I don't think I would ever have felt the gratitude for such simple lovely things but I did you know I appreciated being alive every day I appreciated waking up <laughs> without a massive headache and wanting to throw up I appreciated being able to love people properly and learning how to love myself you know those things are huge and you don't get any of those if you haven't gone through all of that pain and shit <laughs> before you get to that stage so you know every cloud Definitely. So going on to the last bit, I think we just wanted um, sort of your best 
bit of advice, I suppose, for listeners. If if somebody's in a in an, in the early stages of sobriety and sort of suffering chronically with lack of self forgiveness and just you know feeling crippled by all those regrets, what would your best bit of advice be to those people? We'll start off with Running Girl, please. Um, one thing again, uh, when I started the Artist Way course, the facilitator who was also my counsellor, she, she became my counsellor, she made me write down some a list of shoulds. She said, write down three shoulds, three things you should do now. Um, and the top of my list was, I should really cut back on my booze. <laughs> and then she turned it around to, if I choose to. She said, turn, turn it around to, instead of writing, if I should, to, if I choose to, I could. And I think that's, a, a, when I wrote, if I choose to, I could cut back on my booze. It was the first time that I actually started to change the dialogue, the language that I was using in my head. The, oh, shit, I should have done this, or I could do this, or I ought to do that. And um, it was the first, again, it, it was so liberating because I realized I had agency. So that's that's something, if you feel that you're stuck in that cycle. The, the other thing is, really, I would so urge you to find a really nice loving kindness meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a befriending one that came with that course, Finding Peace in a Frantic World by Dan, Danny Penman. And you can just Google um, Mark Williams or Danny Pen, Penman um, and, and just put in befriending meditation. That's the one I share with everybody. Because the first time I did that meditation, the first time I found loving kindness, I cried. Um, because you actually sit and you are actually giving yourself love and kindness and compassion. May I be safe. Um, may I be at ease. Be at ease. When you are in that, you know, that cycle of, of despair and regret, you aren't at ease. And when you're drinking regularly, you aren't at ease. You're never at ease. So that that would be... A, a huge takeaway I'd say you know that the mindfulness um and the the changing I should to if I choose to I could um to empower yourself and give yourself agency and obviously the the journaling I I would I would so recommend that and and don't journal like it's a journal like it's you know your Anne Frank journal write down all the shit and burn it that's that was the advice. That's the advice Julia Cameron gives. The thing that stopped me writing for years was the fact that I thought, well, you know, what if I die and somebody reads it and goes, God, she was so banal. But but like, you're not writing a novel. You're just getting it out of you, you know, your system. So so that and gratitude. Do a daily, like the girls were saying, some kind of blog. Um, there's plenty plenty of ones out there, like the Positive Planner which kind of urges you to, to journal every day at the beginning and the end of the day, think about gratitudes and intention and affirmations. Um, but that all of these things break that negative, that negative uh, voice in your head. And it's all about that inner critic. It's all about trying to blast the inner critic um, and, and get back to your, your ideal self, your true self, your yeah. best, best self. Great. Thank you. Sunflower fields. What would your, best advice be? I mean, I would say to anyone who is getting sober and struggling with regrets that you are doing something amazing by getting sober and have the pride in that. It is well-deserved and 
keep that positive focused on your pride and that kind of that forward looking element as well you don't need to be stuck in the past um regrets may come and they will go and they can be worked through if they are at that that kind of crippling level that is hard to deal with when then you don't need to go through that on your own either so whether it's blogging it out um, whether it is counseling obviously i you know i've been using th therapy to help me with that um but just yeah if if it's something that you might need a bit of support with to kind of get through that time um then seek it out and connect in that way um i was also going to mention i'm reading a book at the moment called um the midnight library by matt haig so i don't know if anyone's heard of it but that is on the theme of regrets um and it, it is about somebody kind of working through those things um and i'm finding it really helpful now and i think if i'd have read it in my early days i would have found it really useful as well um so yeah i think i'd recommend that book brilliant thank you and just as finally what what would your best advice be um my best advice would be practice radical self-compassion and forgiveness so when these regrets come into your mind make it a practice of just saying i forgive myself for that you know and 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 it may feel ridiculous but after some time you really will start to forgive yourself and let it go yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. And, and I, I'd like to say as well, my advice, we've all mentioned it here in different kind of contexts, but sharing, offloading, you know, I do kind of think of Soberist as a bit as a, like a confessional in the Catholic church, but, you know, <laughs> completely anonymously, you can write and say your deepest, darkest secrets and the cathartic benefit of doing that is huge and and for me personally when I set Soberistas up and we had about 100 members you know it was like that realization for me that there were other people out there who had done the same what I thought at the time were horrific <laughs> things that I was should have been shot for other people had done them too and they were really nice people and really intelligent people and kind people and I thought oh well, if they've done them perhaps I'm not as bad as I thought and it was a huge part of my own healing I think to to not personalize what I'd done and to realize that I was just human and millions of people do those things all the time so I think belonging to any community and being honest and open and sharing as you've all done beautifully in our last three podcasts is a big part of the healing process as well so thank you for that so that's the end of our, our little mini series with just us running girl and sunflower field so I just want to say a massive thank you to all three of you for being so candid and helpful and we've had some brilliant feedback from so many people saying how helpful they've found these podcasts because of your contributions so thank you very much and um and the next podcast will be with some new soberistas talking about a totally different subject still obviously within the realms of sobriety but we'll be moving on to other subjects within that so but for the time being thank you all three and thank you for listening Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Loved it.